Welcome to the Verse by Verse podcast, a ministry of the Friendship Congregational Bible Church. I'm Richard Church, the teacher on Verse by Verse, and I'm glad you've joined with us today as we study together God's infallible word, verse by verse. All right, let's turn to Mark chapter 16, verse 9. It says, Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And verse 11 says, They, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. And and so, you know, here at this point, uh, some of the disciples themselves, I mean the, the twelve disciples, have seen the empty tomb. You remember Peter and John run there to the tomb and they see that the body isn't there. The women have seen that the body isn't there. But as as people begin to actually see Christ, not, not just the, to, that He's missing from the tomb, but to see that He is alive, uh, and they come back and bear accounts of this, those who hadn't seen don't believe. In fact, um, I don't know that you can find among these these disciples uh, a, a single case of any of these disciples that believed the reports of Christ's resurrection. It was always once they saw Him themselves that they believed. And even often when they would see Him, they didn't recognize Him at first until He was revealed to them. You see in verse 12, it says, "...after that He appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them." And, and so Christ appears to Mary, and here He appears to two other disciples. It says, as they walked and went into the country. Now, uh, Mark doesn't give us the details about that, but if we go over into Luke, we can see what happened in this, in this account that Mark just mentions. And Luke 24, verse 13, says, and behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. Now, that same day here is still that Sunday. right? If you look at the verses before that, it's Peter runs to the sepulcher. When they hear that, that his body's not there, Peter runs to the sepulcher and, and sees that the body isn't there. And that same day, so we're still talking that Sunday, as, as we would reckon the days, uh, after Christ's resurrection. And you see two of them, it says they're going to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. Now, you might have a, a note in your Bible that tells you how long a furlong is. Uh, my, my Bible says that a furlong is 582 feet. Okay? So, when you're talking about threescore furlongs, you're, you're talking about six miles. Okay, so this would be sort of a, a suburb of Jerusalem. Um, remember a city like Jerusalem, a big city like Jerusalem would have all of these outlying villages uh, around the city. And so you have places like Bethany and Bethlehem and, and other places. And here Emmaus would be one of those places. And so these disciples are leaving Jerusalem to go to this place of Emmaus. And in verse 14 it says, they talked together 
of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not know Him. Now, this gives us a little in, insight into you know, why, why they didn't recognize the Lord. Mark told us that He appeared in another form to two of them. And so there's something actually different about His appearance, about His form. And you see this in all of these appearances of Christ. When He first appears to the disciples, they don't recognize Him. Here it says that their eyes were holden. You know, the idea is there, there's, there's something they're preventing them from being able to recognize who He is. He's in another form, and their eyes were holden that they should not know Him. In verse 17, He said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Now, Christ just sort of comes and, and just sort of uh, appears to be another traveler there on the road. And verse 18, it says, One of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Uh, these disciples expect that anybody who'd been in Jerusalem would know what had gone on. This was not just, you know, I, I'm sure that under the Roman rule, there were probably executions taking place all the time there in Jerusalem. And, and there were probably, you know, a lot of those things that didn't get a lot of notice. But remember how Jesus had been there in the temple on the feast day when all, not only the people at Jerusalem, but all the people that were there from all over the world would have been there in the temple. They knew about the things that were going on. These were things that were well known in Jerusalem. And you see the, the disciples as here's somebody coming from Jerusalem, uh, right along with them. They're, they're astounded that somebody wouldn't know what had gone on and what they might be sad about. Verse 19, He said unto them, What things? And they said unto Him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered Him to be condemned to death and have crucified Him, but we trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel, and beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Now, you get a, a uh, an insight here into just the grief that these disciples are going through. Not just the normal grief of having lost somebody that they were close to, but you see, notice verse 21, how that's all in the past tense. We trusted that it had been He which should, which should have redeemed Israel. Not we trust that it is He which will redeem Israel. It's we trusted, we thought this was the one that was going to redeem Israel and now He's dead. And they say today's the third day since these things were done. Today's the third day since an end was put to all of our hopes for Israel. Not only are they not believing what Christ said about His resurrection, I mean, they've, they've given up all hope, or, or essentially, they've given up all hope that He was the Christ, that He was the Messiah at all here, at least momentarily. Alright? And you see verse 22, not only that, on top of their grief, they say, verse 22, Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher, and when they found not His body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that He was alive. 
You see verse 24, certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. And, and you see, they don't put it together here that maybe these women did, really did see angels. Maybe what the angels said really was true. Maybe he really is alive. You see, they, they have all the pieces, but they don't, they don't put it together. They, again, they have the testimony of these women. They have, they know that the tomb is empty, right? But they, they just don't put it all together. And in verse 25, now, again, remember, Jesus has not revealed himself to them yet. They don't realize who it is that's with them. But in verse 25, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And you see what, what he does. Now again, remember to them, this is just a stranger on the road, right? And first of all, he calls them fools. He calls them, he says they're slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Not, not slow of heart to believe what Jesus himself said to them, but he says you're slow of heart to believe what the prophets have spoken. Uh, he's saying these are things that were, that were prophesied. Everything that's happening here that you're so upset about, this is just what the prophet said was going to happen with the Christ. That he was going to be despised and rejected of men, but that he was going to rise again. Now granted, if all you had was the prophetic scriptures, which is all that they had, if you were to try and piece that together, just, you know, just from what's written there, it would be a very difficult thing to come to a lot of conclusion about that, right? But but he doesn't say here that their problem is that they don't understand. He doesn't just say he doesn't say they're slow to understand what the prophets have spoken. He says they're slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And remember that a large part of what Christ did in his earthly ministry was to teach them things that the prophets said about him. Okay, and he had told them about his death. He had told them about his resurrection. But you see, very often when he would talk about his death, it would, he would say it was hid from them what he spoke. It, it wasn't the purpose of God before the death of Christ for those disciples to understand what even that Christ was going to die, much less what it was going to accomplish. And here, even after his death, even after his resurrection, you see that these things are still being withheld from them. Now, he, what, what he does, and, you know, he didn't have, a, probably didn't have a, a copy of the scriptures there with him, but he begins to quote scripture to them. He begins to, to kind of put things together for them about how these events fulfilled the prophetic writings of Christ. And who knows what passages, it says that he, um, expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. By the way, that's an important thing to understand that all of the scripture is about Christ. Right? There's no passage of scripture that you can go to that doesn't in some way point to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's somewhere, you know, it might be kind of hard to, to draw the connection, but they all, all of the scripture points to something about Christ. Uh, in the, in the Psalms, um, it says, and, and the book of Hebrews, says that in the Psalms, it's really Christ speaking. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. Right? And so when you're coming to the scripture and you're learning the scripture, you are 
encountering Christ. Christ is the living Word of God. The Scripture is the written Word of God. Okay? And, and here, as, here Christ is with them. They don't recognize Him, but He begins to take the Scripture and to teach to them how all of these things really are about the Messiah. They're all about the Christ. And how not just the glory that the disciples were looking for, that kingdom that they were looking for, it's not just the glory that is portrayed in the Scripture, but there's the suffering that's portrayed as well. And uh, so, so uh, all along this road that they're taking, this six miles or so from Jerusalem out to Emmaus, he's talking to them of these things, of the Scriptures. And in verse 28 it says, "...they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further." But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And so as they get there to, to Emmaus where they're going, uh, you know, they're ready to quit for the night, and he looks like he's going to keep going, and they, they, they beg him to stay there with him. Uh, these things, by the way, these things that he's telling them upon that road, they aren't, even though they haven't yet recognized Him, even though they haven't put it all together yet, um, later on they're going to talk about how their heart burned within them as He spoke on the road. See, these things are, are starting to, to break through kind of that, that fleshly view of what's going on here, and it's starting to, to ignite something in them. And you see, they, they want, you know, what they, what they, uh, give there as the reason is, you know, it's late in the day, uh, why don't you just stay here with us? But, but no doubt they're interested to hear more of what this man has to say. Right? These things are, are beginning to get through to them. And in verse 30 it says, it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And then in verse 31 it says, and their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Now, again, it's just interesting how these, these appearances of the Lord take place. Uh, with, with Mary, remember, she thinks he's the gardener. And with Mary, it's when he, when he speaks her name, that's when she recognizes him. Here with them, they've been spending quite a, quite amount of time with this man. With Mary, it just seems like a short period of time. But here, they've walked all the way from Jerusalem to Emmaus with this man, he's been teaching them from the Scriptures and they don't recognize him, but it's when they sit down to break bread and it's when he, when he uh, you know, blesses that bread and, and breaks it and he gives to them to eat. You know, again, it, it, you, know, you might look for kind of natural things here that might, might influence their, their memory and their recognition. Uh, you know, you might think about how their last, really their last time with Christ was when He broke bread there at the Last Supper with them. But this isn't just a, a natural thing. It's, you know, if they were going to recognize Him naturally, they would have done that long before this point. But it's interesting how He takes these, these very intimate moments to reveal Himself to them. Again, with Mary, it's that, that saying of her name and that's when Mary recognizes him. Here it says they're, not when they're out on the road, not when he's talking about the scriptures, but when they break bread. And it says not just that they recognize him, it says that their eyes were open. Previously their eyes had been holden that they, that they, uh, 
should not know Him. And now here, as they break bread together, their eyes are opened and it says they knew Him. And, and then the strange thing is, when they recognize Him, He vanishes out of their sight. And it's, it's almost as if Christ is going out of His way here to, to not just, not just be recognized by the flesh and not just, uh, for them to, to continue in a, just sort of a, of a fleshly, earthly type relationship. Right? I mean, all through His ministry, He's been with them physically. They've been able to, to be around Him and talk to Him and, and all those things, break bread with Him, all of that. And here after His resurrection, it's, it's almost like He's being, I mean, if this was a, was a, a man-woman relationship, you would talk about somebody playing hard to get. You know, it's kind of like he doesn't just come and, and meet with all of them and proclaim himself to them and, and say, look, I'm alive. I mean, he could have very easily done that, right? They were all together. They're pretty much all together there the, the morning of the resurrection. Why not just appear to him and pronounce, I'm here, I've conquered death? Why, why all these games? Why, you know, show up and, and not let him know who he is and then he appears and then he vanishes. And he, he in some ways is preparing them for the fact he's not going to be with them. You see, they're not going to be able to have that same kind of, of relationship that they had had previously. It's not as if now he's risen from the dead and now we can just pick off, pick up where we left off, right? There, there's going to be something very different here and he, he seems to be going out of his way to avoid them just relating to him in that same old earthly, physical, natural way. And so here when they recognize him, he, he vanishes. And, and part of it is, again, he's, I think, giving them some time to sort of, sort of figure out what's going on here. Now he spends this whole, this whole, or a large part of this day here with these two disciples, showing them from God's Word. They're having this Bible study as they walk along the way, and he's showing them from God's Word all these things that would take place about the Messiah, and then now they recognize him and he goes away. What, what do you think? They do. What do you think their response is when he goes away? It's not just that he's risen. They're going to be thinking about those things from the scripture that he talked about, right? They're weighing these things as they're walking along the way. Now they know it's really all true. And you see in verse 32, when he vanishes out of their sight, it says, they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Didn't, didn't our heart, they, they said we, we knew something was going on as he was showing us that those scriptures, our heart was burning within us. And I, I think of that as, you know, when you, if you think about, uh, the way, uh, the way a, a fire ignites and, and you can have, for instance, in a, in a light bulb, you know, you've got, uh, a charge going through a filament and it causes it to glow, right? And you can do the same thing with if you've got, uh, for instance, a you know a candle wick or a burning stick or something, and you put a hot flame next to it. You can get it to glow, but not but not you know burst into flame. And that's kind of as they're in the proximity of Christ there along the road, and they they're in that close proximity to the the man who really is truth embodied, and he's pointing to them to the scriptures. There begins to be this this glow in their hearts and their souls, but. Then he's revealed to them and their eyes are opened and they're, and they're enlightened. Okay? And, and then they can recognize. And now they know that he's risen from the dead. And now their attitude isn't to have sorrow because 
the body's missing from the tomb. Now they know what other people had experienced, what Mary had experienced and reported to them, what the other women had, had uh, experienced. They know it's true because they've experienced it themselves. And again, this is the pattern that you see with these disciples soon after the resurrection is that they do not, they do not believe on the testimony of somebody else. They believe when they see Christ. Alright? And when their eyes are opened and when they, when they recognize, uh, that, that, uh, He really is the one that's there with them. And you see their response, verse 33, they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. And so they come back. So now you've got, you've got Mary that's borne witness, not just that the tomb is empty, but that she's seen Christ. The other women by this point have seen Christ. And here these disciples come back. Now, now remember, they stopped there at Emmaus because it was late in the day. They were ready to end their day. Um, that doesn't seem to stop them when they finally realize that Christ is risen. They get up and they go right back to Jerusalem. And now they have, they have this other witness that Christ is risen. And, um, uh, so, you know, they, they come and they bear that witness as well. But likewise, the, those other disciples, they don't believe until they actually see. In fact, go over to John. John chapter 20, verse 19. Here it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Now they've already had these other witnesses that have told them about, about uh, his resurrection and not just that the grave is empty, but that they've seen him. And here now the, the disciples as a group see the Lord. Verse 20, or verse 21, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But notice verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, you know, we refer to somebody being a doubting Thomas, right? And, and Thomas here gets a little bit of a, a bad rap because, you know, here he's the one that wasn't with them and, and he has the testimony of all these disciples that Christ has risen and he says, I'm not gonna believe until I, I, uh, put my finger into the print of the nails, thrust my hand into his side. But it wasn't just Thomas. That was all of them. None of them believed on the testimony of somebody else. All of them believed that resurrection based on having physically seen Christ. right? And so Thomas is no different. Thomas is just representative of all of the other disciples. Now Thomas, because he wasn't there with the larger group when Christ appeared to them, you know, that's why, that's why he's kind of singled out here. But you see in verse 26, it says, and after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. 
And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And so here, again, what he says to Thomas is applicable to all of these disciples. Now these these people were believers in Christ. I mean, they had become believers in Christ during His earthly ministry. But this issue of the resurrection is something that has to be revealed to them and has to be revealed in their case with this, this appearance of Christ unto them. But you see how Christ's words to Thomas indicate that that's not going to be necessarily the, the normal way that people come to believe in the resurrection of Christ. You see, he, he says to Thomas, and, and I think by extension really to all of those disciples, they could believe because they had physically seen him. That was, that was the, the reason that they could believe in his resurrection. And again, you know, that's not to take away from the, the work there of God and, and opening their eyes to those things and, and that kind of thing. But you see, they could believe because they have, they had, they had seen, and that's exactly what he says to Thomas. Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. But you see, it says, "Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed." See, we don't we don't believe in the resurrection for the same reasons or in the same way that these disciples believed in the resurrection. Christ is not going to appear in the midst here and and you know just materialize there in the in the middle of the aisle and let us put our finger in his in his. Uh, the nail prints and thrust our hand aside. We would be among those that Christ says are blessed because they've not seen and yet have believed. Right? And he's talking about the physical sight there, the physical sight that they saw Christ with. Um, that's not the basis of belief in the resurrection of Christ. But it is, there is a, a spiritual sight that's involved in understanding that resurrection of Christ. And, you know, a lot of times I think, even though we, you know, we understand intellectually from God's Word, we understand that Christ rose from the dead, in a lot of ways, I, I think Christians often think of Christ in the same way that they think sometimes of other dead people. You know what I'm saying? You know, we think of Christ in the same way we might think of some historical figure that is is gone and dead. And you think about, for instance, the, the Old Testament saints. You know, they're dead and gone, their, their souls are in heaven, and sometimes we think of Christ in that way. Sometimes we don't, we don't really apprehend maybe the truth of that resurrection of Christ. That when we talk about Christ, we're not just talking about an important figure that, you know, that died and is gone. What I'm saying is because of the fact that he's not here present with us. Sometimes we think of him in the same way of, of, you know, past dead people that are gone. But he's not dead and gone. He's alive and gone. He's risen and gone. And just like these disciples, they were already believers. They already had believers in the sense of believing in Christ. They already had eternal life, but they had to have their eyes open to some things regarding the resurrection and, and apprehending that resurrection. Paul writes about it in Philippians chapter three when he talks about knowing him and the power of his resurrection. Apprehending that in our lives and realizing that power of God displayed in the resurrection and realizing that we're risen with him. That Christ is risen, seated at the right hand of the Father. We likewise are risen with him and just, and just, you know, being able to, to apprehend that is something you can't just do intellectually. 
Um, it's something, it's a, it's a really a matter of the spirit. It's a matter of faith. And this, this special blessing that Christ mentions there when he says, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. It's almost as if those that believed because they saw him are kind of missing out on something. They're missing out on that blessing of being able to believe just on, on the authority of what God's word says and to apprehend Christ in a different way. In, in some ways, that physical, that physical uh, contact with Christ, even after his resurrection, uh, in some ways could be a detriment to them. And that's part of why Christ says that though we know Christ after the flesh, yet know we him no more. Uh, it's, a, it's a different relationship that the believer has with Christ today. And we can believe in his resurrection in a different way than these disciples here. And yet it's, it's no less true. That doesn't make it just, you know, because we haven't seen it, because we haven't seen Christ physically. It doesn't make it less true. It doesn't make it um, less important. But you see, Christ, Christ says, blessed are those that have not seen and yet believe. And we get to participate in that blessing. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here, you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Com. Thank you for joining us today, and our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.